0: that has um, just questions that can kind of sharpen your skill, hopefully, or help just uh, tune your skill in uh, just normal Bible study methods of uh, observation, interpretation, and application. Uh, But also, uh, what I like is uh, within there, there's the the subject matters and Proverbs uh, separated out and all the verses that talk about them. And so I want to encourage you to grab that, and it's kind of a supplement to our series uh, for what you're doing in Matt group. I want to just ask you to grab that if you can. That would be, uh, I think, a real beneficial uh, for you in your growth in the Lord. Right now, what we're talking about, I think, is uh, right on time for, um, for Mother's Day uh, because... because um, uh, I'm convinced, and here's, and here's why I'm convinced that the reality, especially in, in our community, uh, but I'll say all over the world, uh, that uh, the reason uh, that mothers are in so much despair and in so much pain is because of bad daddies. Um, the reason why women are, are um, in such disarray, uh, the reason why women are, are walking around not knowing who they are uh, trying to find their identity in all kinds of worthless things is because of bad leadership. And so I think it's extremely important that during Mother's Day we actually talk about uh, men uh, because it will help us understand, hopefully, uh, what ladies need to not be settling for. Uh, a lot of times I think that's the biggest thing. That's the thing that breaks my heart the most. I think When I think of ministry, one of the things that breaks my heart the most is when I see uh, women uh, settle Uh, because there's just not enough good models um, of of godly, masculine men um, to feel like you don't have to settle. Like, if you knew that the chalk was full, then you'd be like, cool, you know, and you wouldn't settle. But when you think, man, there's only three of them, right? (laughs) And you see two of them married, now you get nervous, right? So so I want to encourage you, uh, that's not the case, Uh, There are many masculine, gospel-centered men, and there are many men who are learning or on that track of wanting to see what it means to be uh, a masculine man. And and so I want to encourage you ladies not to settle. So hopefully we will be encouraged uh, through this time to discuss masculinity during Mother's Day, all right? Let me pray for us, and and let me just give some ground rules. Um, You can ask questions. Uh, That's our deal. Uh, you know that. Hopefully, it'll, it'll affirm, uh, edify the church. Hopefully, it'll affirm all our faiths. Um, also, I just want you to know that um, this, this, is, this I'm excited about this study. It's an intense study, so just be encouraged in that, uh, that, that, that what's what, uh, what going on in Proverbs is written out of love, and so hopefully, we wouldn't, we wouldn't turn a deaf ear to it, but we would be humbled um, by what, what Jesus is trying to say to us here, okay, guys? And, and ladies, make sure you pay attention. Uh, to what you're hearing um, so that you know what to detect um, as you are living and having your being um, in the Lord, all right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to share your word. Thank you for this awesome body. Thank you for our just great neighbors, these people I just get to see and just smile and hug and just uh, seeing them fighting the fight of faith, uh, try, right, desiring them to remain faithful, desiring to... Uh, to learn more about you, Lord. Would you bless this body? Would you encourage the saints? Would you comfort your people? Um, strengthen us, Lord, to be able to hear your word, to respond to your word. Lord, give me the grace to, to, to please you, to honor you through truth. Um, anything that's in my flesh, Lord, would you strike down? Would you graciously guide and lead me? Would you give me the grace to be yielding to you right now uh, for the sake of your kingdom? I pray we could enjoy being with you, enjoy learning about you. Um, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, so in starting off, basically Proverbs is a book uh, written uh, from man to man for the purpose of, uh, in a nutshell, when you read the first chapter, for taking uh, young men and maturing them into masculine men. Uh, you 'll see this primarily when you look at the first nine chapters that 's basically what 's going on. You have a, a dad talking to a son and saying hey here 's what it looks like, uh, my son uh, to be a good man. heed uh, my counsel, listen to my ways. I desire to be fully grown I desire to be masculine um, and so it's, um, and so you see from, from the, even Proverbs in itself is a book about what does it mean to to stabilize a culture, as it were, and, and a star. And the focus is on making sure the men know what it means to be men. Uh, so the question is, if we are to raise boys into becoming men, uh, then first we need to define uh, what a man is, right? And I, and I want to say this is important because if I, if I dare say, I think we have at some level have entered into now what we, well, we have a, a feminized society, Okay. Uh, where, where we, we have tried to thwart, and this is, going to, this is where it gets here, we have tried to thwart uh, what it means to be a man. Uh, and there's for so many different reasons of that. I mean, you think of churches today. Um, when you go in churches, now, here's what's cool about our church, and I've always been blown away at this, is we have actually really strong male leadership, okay? That, that, see, some of you guys have just come to faith here, some of you guys haven't been to many churches, and so you just think it's normal to see kind of a, the same disparity of men and women, or like maybe a couple more women and things like that, that's weird. You go to, you go to evangelical churches around, a, around the country, and what you'll see is you'll see a lot of ladies, right, a lot of young kids, and the men are absent. That's what you usually will see. Uh, and the stats are clear. I mean, you can, guys go, you can go fact check that. Uh, so, what you usually see is you see men, to be sad, to be honest, uh, you'll see for the, n- the most part, a lot of times, uh, men being there for a couple reasons. Usually, you'll see guys, not all the time, but you'll see this a lot in churches. Uh, and I propose because even in church, we've, we've kind of almost feminized what it means to be a man. Uh, you'll see men who will come to church um, to, uh, because they got dragged there by their wife. Okay, you'll see they're there, but they're kind of like not wanting to be there, uh, which is sad. Obviously, because we know that the truth of the gospel is you become a real man when well, you understand Christ. Uh, the sad reality also is we'll see a lot of sexual predators. Okay, you'll see you'll see men, uh, both who who are trying to look around and say, "Man, if I really want a nice girl, then I'm not gonna go to the strip club and go to a church, you know, and I'm gonna pray on on women." And so you see a lot of guys in churches uh, because they're jerks and they really are trying to prey um, on the people in the church uh, and, and, and met, you know, through relationships and then leave all this basically roadkill of the emotional catastrophes that they've done with women when they've been in these different churches. You also see guys uh, who, who are struggling uh, with, with homosexuality. And so because at some level churches have become kind of feminized a little bit, uh, they can come here and, and find guys who are struggling with that identity piece. And so I'm just, I mean, can we just take off that fig leaf and just be, just be honest about this stuff? I'm just trying to share, this is, what, this is what's going on. I know that's like, this is what's happening. Okay? And what we do, and, we, and, and so what happens a lot of times is when you think of, uh, I think of 1 Corinthians 11, where it just says, uh, a man is the glory of God and you think of uh, that, that brief snapshot I've given you on even why a lot of guys are even in churches for that matter, and then you think about even our TV shows, and you look on the TV shows now, and, 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 and tell me the, the guys that you think, man, there is a guy who models biblical masculinity. Tell me a guy who's not the brunt of the jokes. Tell me the, the people who are not you know, sh- uh, struggling with homosexuality. Tell me the people who are not uh, seen as an as, uh, 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 ogre If they are practicing some tendencies that I propose are somewhat biblical, as in being a defender, as in being a truth person, as in wanting something, uh, wanting righteousness to be clear. You don't see that much, do you? Do you? I was on a plane uh, probably three weeks ago or so, and they were... um, we were watching, and I, it was funny. You know how you can watch the, They have the TV. Some some places have where you, the TV pops up interpersonally, but then some of the planes have the TV in the middle of the of the, of the plane, and there's like four or five of them, and you have to kind of it's like it's just there. And I was blown away because what they were showing. So this is like everybody has to see this, and you can like put your headphones on if you want to listen to it, but you have to at least see it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just you know you happen to be looking up, and it's Glee. Um. And it broke my heart because I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, we're a plane here with six-year-old kids to 15-year-old kids, 14 adults, and I'm watching this kind of weird scene where these two guys are kind of like a little, little close, you know? And I'm thinking, how are we putting this on, like, on this, this is like normal. This is like, hey, this is, this is the lowest common denominator because that's what you're supposed to be showing at a commercial airline flight, right? You know, I'm thinking Barney or something, you know what I'm saying? And we're showing two guys basically about to, about to kiss. And I'm thinking, what? That's our society. Is that fair? You know it is. What's happened? Well, I want to propose that uh, we don't think of men in that way. We don't think of men as like being the glory of God when we think of men. Um, but let me provide what the biblical picture is, and then I'm going to take us through basically what, what Jesus is saying to us about man, about manhood and womanhood. Then I want to talk about uh, some of the cautions that we need to look toward in us wanting to be biblical men. Because my prayer is for this body, for us to learn what does it mean to be a masculine man. Um, let's start in, in uh, Genesis chapter one, verse uh, twenty six through twenty eight. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. It should be on the screen as well. It says, this is, uh, we're talking about creation. We have to go back to creation if we're going to understand this thing, all right? Here's what the scriptures say. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in your Bible, you have probably, it's composed of 66 books, right? Uh, There's like 40 40 or so authors uh, over a period of 1,000 years. Uh, The Bible's in three languages. Uh, The author of every Bible, and I'm trying to set a stage here, is a man, Okay. Uh, these men, they live in patriarchal societies. They're developing societies in a goal uh, where the father and the husband is the head of the home. And then what he, his role is that he loves his wife and children. He protects his wife and children. He cares for them. Now, they both equally bear God's image, Right? Um, so what I'm saying there is you can talk, you can talk about those things, right? You can, you can talk about the reality that the, the, the father's never called the mother, okay? There's a reason for that. The, uh, Jesus is the son. He's not the daughter, okay? See, even when we hear this, we, gotta, we have to like, wrestle our, <laughs> some of our issues, you know? But the reason why that's the case is because God is doing something with trying to show us that there is an issue of male headship. But while making that really clear statement, Jesus is not saying that men are, more, um, are better than women, that they are, they're, they're, more, they're better in essence than women. They're created act- absolutely equal, but there, there is a role distinction. There is a role distinction. And so because of that, you, we don't have to, which is what our society is trying to do to us, we don't have to become more like women so that, so that women will feel accepted. And women, you don't have to become more like men so that you will feel accepted. We don't have to do that because the distinction is there intentionally so that Jesus can be exalted. So we don't have to gain acceptance as equals to become more like each other. The reality is, is that we are different, right? We are different, and, and it's an issue of creation, the reason why we're different, not Environment. Um, I look at my, I look at Lauren and Eli. I mean, man, you, you guys know my little Lauren. I mean, she's just, she's just all girl. She just does her little thing, you know. And, you know, yesterday we were out playing and we had two different realms of playing. Eli comes over, he sees daddy with his, you know, hedge trimmer and he's about to cut the bushes. And Eli pulls out his hedge trimmer, you know, and he makes sure his battery's working and it's like, daddy, are we going to go cut the bushes? all right, son, come cut the bushes with me. I'm cutting the bushes. I'm literally like, I don't want to cut my son up because he's right near the, the machine. You know, he's just right in there with me in the bushes. You know, I'm like, he's scoot over, son. And he's like, no, daddy, I need to cut this leaf here. And so every once in a while, he's like, look, can you, can you hold it, daddy, so I can cut it? So I got, I start figuring out the game. He wanted me, he wanted to cut it. And I realized, okay, I need to pull the leaf out so he knows he cut it, right? Because he was like, mine's not working. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm supposed to be working too. You know, that was our deal. I go right over, right over, she's right next, you know, I go, hey, Lauren, what you doing? Daddy, can you play at me? What are we playing? We're playing. She had these two little, like, these little needle thingies. We're playing knitting. See, we don't, that's Okay. That, that's a beautiful thing. She's learning how to nurture. She's learning how to, how to form. She's learning how to prepare. She, in our, in our house, she's preparing a home. She plays parent. She's try, she, the Lord has, has put that hard why are that in her. To say, I'm getting ready to prepare for something. I'm getting ready to care for something. And in our society, we try to sort of rob us of that. So I just want to start there. That the goal of why God made different people is because he's trying to make us understand that we're a different kind of person. I'm, I'm harboring on that because we have to get that. We're a different kind of person. I'm a different kind of person than a girl. We're not the same, okay? That, 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 that theological conviction is, called, is us being complementary. But we're saying that the, in those roles, the woman has a distinct role in bringing glory to Jesus. And the way she does that is by making sure that I bring glory to Christ. And when I'm not, she holds me accountable. She's my helpmate. Does that make sense? It's not inferior. It's to accomplish a purpose. Remember, the Trinity does the exact same thing. Jesus is fully God, no less than God, and he submits to the Father for the purpose of the, of the kingdom. That's what he does. Okay, so I want to propose when we looked at those verses, I'm going to keep flying here. When we looked at those verses, man and women are created to, you see those things, they're created to create, right? We see in those verses, they're created to cultivate, right? And created to subdue, all right? That's what both men and women were created to do. But I, I say that because if we just leave it there we go, "Yes, we're both created. We can create the same things." I want to propose that we are all both made to create and cultivate and subdue, but in different ways. So now this week we're going to talk about what men, how men do that, and we're going to have a whole other separate uh, couple couple weeks actually on how women do that. All right. So notice in this text here, uh, he, he's. Adam, you can and, and write this down for your own, your own time. Go back to your families and look, look at this. Adam's given land. The land is kind of wild, right? But then within that wild land, the whole world, because you've got to keep in mind, we, we understand you, you, you have Eden, but remember, he was called, he was told to subdue the, the, all of creation. But remember, uh, Eden was already tight, <laughs> okay? So he had more to deal with. I'm just trying to get our minds out of the little children's books where it was like there was just this one little place until he sinned. That's not the, that's not the biblical picture. So he's given all this, but he's given wild land, and then he's given uh, a, a piece that's, that has fruit and trees, and that's like, wow, it's beautiful. And he's, he's cultivating that, okay? He's keeping that looking good, producing, and things of that sort. The reason why... Is because he's saying, "What I want you to do." He's given he's giving Adam a prototype. So you see, you see uh, Eden here. So the whole world should look like this. You see that? So as you so as you're cultivating, you got a picture here. You see what I'm saying here? So you got you got Eden, but then you have the world, and he's saying, "Now I want you to subdue the world, but you can't. You give two dudes and go go subdue North America." You're like, really? Okay. So part of it is procreation. You're going to need kids to do this, right, to go and subdue the whole world and make it remind me of myself through people but also in land, right, because if we destroy the land, that doesn't remind us of God, but if we cultivate the land and keep it awesome, that reminds us of Jesus, okay? You do that with more kids, it's trying to help us get a little, just, just unpill un- 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 a little layer of the onion of what's going on there. that makes sense, guys? Okay, so I say that because he said you need kids. Uh, so the first thing I want us to understand is this is, and there's so many different aspects to God creating us and what he wants us to be about, but I just want to talk about three things as men. The first thing I want to say we're hardwired in is we're hardwired in creating. That's my point, is that we want to create. And then after we create, which... He had already given us um, Eden, but now he's saying, I want you to create, but also I want you to cultivate. Is that that's, Think of guys. We love to create. We love to cultivate, all right? And that's why you give a guy, you know, a business. First, we want businesses. And you guys, well, why is my husband so ambitious? Why do I, why do I have a motorcycle and then I take the motorcycle apart on purpose and then put it back together again? Why do we do that? Why do we get a car and why do we put it together again and take it apart and then get another engine? Why do we do that? Like, why do you have one business and you try and have many more businesses? Why do we do these things? And some of us now, now because of the fall, you got greed and all those things we we'll should talk about in a moment. But I'm proposing that is from the Lord, that sense of wanting to create and make and progress and cultivate Right? And subdue and have things just blow up and be more beautiful and more beautiful. That's from Jesus. That's how the Lord has created us. So and that's how you get people from, I would say, you know, walking on, you know, horse poop in, you know, in early centuries to people being flying to the moon. Now, how did that happen? Because that's the way the Lord wired us. So, so all of a sudden, though. What happens is man sins against God, so that's our hardwiring. But we sin against God, and all of a sudden, the Scriptures talk about that that, that very labor that He's given us is going to have thorns and thistles. So He curses the very ground uh, that we walk on, and the things that we're doing, the dominion that we have. Okay, so it's not just you know we talk about theology of work; it's it's every aspect of that dominion. Okay, the question you have to ask yourself is why why does God do that? Why does God I want to propose he curses everything because of grace, and he's trying to help us understand the gospel. Let me unpack that for you. So here's what happens. Every time, so we're sitting here, you're working hard, you're caring for people, you're doing all these things, and you're going, man, why every time I'm working so hard, and I'm doing all these things, I'm trying to get these things as they were, that are under my rule, under submission, to have these things that are chaotic, to operate well, to have peace, and they keep fighting and disagreeing and not submitting. Why is that? When I work so hard to perfect my business, I work so hard to perfect my craft, I work so hard to perfect my marriage, why all these things that I'm supposed to have dominion over still keep wrestling and I can't get dominion over them? Why? And guess what Jesus says? That's That's what you do to me. And so the reason why is because every time you go and you want to be the perfect doctor and you just still messed up the prescription and you're doing all these things and people are mad at you and you're going to your, you know, I mean, just think of all the areas in your life where you find yourself, if I can just, okay, I'm going to wash the dishes and they're going to be done forever. (sighs) And then two hours later, there's more dishes. What kind of plan? How do I do this? How do I make it where no more dishes? and we can just have clean stuff, right? Okay, wow, look, the living room's clean. Everyone's obeying. It's awesome. In 10 minutes, it's crazy. Work reminds you that you need Jesus and that you and I rebel against God all the time, and God is going, now you see what it feels like. Do you see that? It reminds us of the gospel. Man says, why is that? Why is what should be in submission to me in rebellion God, God, says, like, um, because of your sin, uh, you're doing the same thing to me. The world is a creation project for 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 God, right? And and then God says, I'm going to let you take the world as your creation project. And then God says, because of the fall, now you're my creation project. And what what God is doing is bringing under us under submission, while we bring the world under submission. Do you see that, guys? So, so that's what's going on first. First, we we're created to, uh, to create and cultivate. But also, we we're created to, um, and this is where I, was, I think is, there are some big distinctions. We're created with the hardwiring for war and battle, or, or I would say sub- subdue at some level. To subdue. Um, the issue, the reason why, uh, is for the purpose of defending truth and justice. That's the reason why we're created like that to conquer evil, to promote righteousness. To, help, to protect the helpless and the vulnerable and the weak. We were created to do those things. Now you go, well, well, but, well, wait, well what do you mean? Think about it. So when, when, when Satan tricked Eve, okay, and Adam, and Adam was right there, I want to propose to you, at that point, he was supposed to go into battle. Now why do I say that? Because I want to propose Satan was his enemy. Well, how do you say that? Ephesians 6 makes it really clear. See, the, the, the potency of Satan being our enemy doesn't progress in time. The same intensity that he's our enemy today was the first day he lied to Eve. And Ephesians 6 says that he is our enemy. So he says that we, that, we, that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against these guys, against Satan and his demons. That's who we battle against, and we've always battled against them but I want to propose Adam did not when he was supposed to. So we create it with war uh, and battle, the sense of fighting. Uh, why? Because God has enemies, and his enemies are our enemies. I'm making a point here that's going to come back to us pretty soon. So the problem, though, if God has made us to fight, he's made us to create, because of sin, um, if we become a pawn of Satan what we'll do is we'll fight for the wrong things. We'll start to hurt civilians and not the enemy. God has enemies, we have enemies, but we need to know how to protect. We need to learn who to fight for, who we're to defend, and what justice is. The the, the final thing is, so we're we're created to to create, to cultivate, we're created to, to basically protectors to, to protect this thing, to do it, make sure that righteousness is going forth we 're protecting those who are who are hurting those who are helpless uh, but finally we 're called to be influencers and we 're going to see this, this that 's what the whole book of Proverbs is about that are, we have a hardwiring uh, today as men to create to be wise and uh, to, to, to cultivate uh, sages or influencers, people who take God's wisdom, wise and skillful living, and we pour it into other people. I propose that's one of your hard wirings as men. Okay? So we're to create and get wisdom and knowledge from God and then teach and then impart that to other people. And that's what Proverbs is all about. Now, I say that because, I mean, you look at the Pentateuch, you look at the Proverbs, uh, we were made to receive information from the Lord and teach it. That's the whole point of the Shema, right? Deuteronomy says, hey, you know, the Lord your God is God. Here's what you need to do. You need to take these laws. You need to, you need to tie them around your neck. You need to, you need to make sure you're teaching your children these things. Like, this is what we were created to do. But this is important because we have to build conviction, men, that God has created you to be teachers, I had a guy say to me years ago, Eric, I don't know if it's it's biblically true that we're all supposed to make disciples. You see what's flawed in that? There's a huge flaw. Every man is called to be a teacher, to teach the things of God. There's different frameworks and rhythms, but we're all called to be influencers, every one of us. With your deeds, you're teaching good or bad with what you do. Now, if that's true, if what I'm saying is true, that's why we need to know the Scriptures. If what I'm saying is true about what we're called to be about as men, we, if we are supposed to be proclaiming the Gospel, helping people see Jesus, you have to know the Bible. You have to continue to grow in your understanding of Scripture. So... So now that, that, that's just three biggies about how we're hardwired. Now I want to talk about abuses. Now if, if we're in sin and we're not, these hardwiring is what happens, and that's what Proverbs talks about. See, Proverbs, it's not me, Proverbs talks about these things almost from a negative perspective. They don't, you know, I wish they would always talk about what we can be, which is cool, but Proverbs is saying, hey son, don't be like this. Don't be like that. And so that's what we're going to look at now. But I want to set it up. This is why he's saying these things, because he's saying that hardwired-wise, this is what we're supposed to be about. So now, I want to talk about abuses. Um, I want to say in a nutshell, a person, we, we as men, we take these hardwirings of creating, cultivating, uh, being influencers. We take all these, uh, these hardwirings, and we can either abuse them, uh, we abandon them or avoid them. This is what's happening. This is a commentary of our community. Uh, on a proposes a commentary when you, as you, as you survey men all across our world. So, for example, our danger um, is to abuse strength that the power that the Lord has given us. I mean, that's why you got cats. At the end of the day, you got brothers on the street knocking people out for no reason. You know, you say something bad, bad to a brother. You look at him wrong. You run up on him, you want to fight. You know, what, what's that about? All right, that's just, that's just someone abusing something that the Lord has given them. That's just an abuse. That's just an abuse. And now what we do is when we, get, when we get crazy aggressive guys, right, again, we think, well, okay, what we need to do is feminize them and not, don't, be, don't be aggressive versus redeem it and say, no, actually, God has made you a man. And when someone's doing something unrighteous, you need to rise up. But what does it look like for you to do it in a gospel-centered way? not shooting cats and, you know, being in gangs and selling drugs and all this craziness, but what does it look like for you to be a man redemptively? Our culture says don't be a man. We got it wrong. And that's what we, say, what we can say in church. Why are you, why are you loud? Why are you, wait, you can't get angry. Don't calm down. And you'll see this as you're married. I mean, uh, or, or, if you, or maybe if you're a feminized guy, you might not struggle with it. But if you're, if you're a dude and you're kind of in a marriage, you know, and you're trying to figure out this gospel, it's hard because you know you start having these conversations, and sometimes it's like your wife, you know, doesn't. It's not it's not on purpose. But me and Sarah have many opportunities to have discussions where I'm like, we're like, hey, I think you're trying to make these guys girls, and they're not girls. All right, I don't. We're not making our boys girls. We want them to be gentle men. And that's a big difference. I'm going to process that. So, so we can abuse things. So let's look at what he says in Proverbs 1. I'm just going to skip on down. Um, he's talking to his son, warning his son about what does it look like uh, to, uh, to do life as a man. Verse 18 says, but these men, and, I, and what, what I want you to do, the context is 8 through 19. I didn't want to read all those verses, but verses 18 and 19 we're going to focus in on. Uh, He's talking about these men waiting for blood. They're out to try and get you. But then he says, "These men lie in wait for their own blood. Uh, They set an ambush for their own lives." He's saying, "Don't hang out with these guys." Okay. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its um, of its possessors. He's saying, "Look, this is." He says, "This is really important." Right out the box in Proverbs. Okay. This is the first chapter. He says there are guys who run in packs. They're violent. They're dangerous. They don't have discipline. They don't have control. They don't have wisdom. Uh, These are guys that bring fear into culture, right? These are the guys, I mean, you know, do you want to walk past five guys coming from Bible study or six of these dudes, right? They don't give a rip. I mean, I was one of these cats. I mean, we would, when I was growing up, before I knew Christ, we would literally, we would be just kicking it, you know, and we will see some dude walking down St. Clair, and we would be like, you know him? No, I don't know him. Do you, you know him? No, I don't know him. All right, you go hit him. You know, then we walk up, just, you know, what's up, man? You, you live around here, you know, and he's, he's looking around like, uh-oh. And before you know it, we're beating up this guy. That's absolutely stupid. It's not being a man. We thought it was. We get done beating him up. You know, we go sipping fire, talking about who hit him hardest, all this weird stuff. What was going on there? All that aggression, that lack of understanding their identities in the Lord, you see what happens when it's unchecked, it's unbridled? You get guys beating up people for absolutely no reason. It's these guys. He's saying those guys, don't hang with those guys. Um, Watch out for these guys. They're going to tempt you, he's saying. They're going to tempt you to come hang out. Why? Why do, well, okay, that's just stupid. Some of you guys are going, why would you do something so stupid? Why do they have so many followers? You know there's a lot of people doing that, right? Why? I want to propose to you because they see a glimpse of like, wow, that's foul and jacked up, but I feel like I'm being kind of a man here. You see that? They're going, in these places, I'm I'm, I'm told to not be... Strong and, and and aggressive, and I don't feel comfortable in those environments. I want to propose, guys, in our community, neighboring here, we gotta we gotta make sure that we provide an environment that is as masculine. Or guys are gonna go, I don't want to, you know, be if you're gonna just be telling me how to be like a girl. That's just not a place I want to be at. I propose we got to take these guys and we have to say, "Look, what does it look like to harness that for kingdom purposes?" And have those discussions. Take the strength and point it in a helpful direction. The, the answer is not to make these cats softer. He says, "Watch out for these guys. Don't hang in there with these guys. Um, these are guys who hit their wives, beat their kids. You know." intimidate their kids. So don't be like those guys. Look at Proverbs uh, 3.29. Do not plan evil against your neighbor. um, It says, who dwells trustingly beside you. Uh, That's an interesting concept, right? Have you ever gave someone your trust uh, uh, and then they bring you harm? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, uh, be careful about those guys. Abuser. These guys are abusers of stewardship. They, They get your trust, right? And then they... Totally abuse you. Maybe, maybe you are that guy. You know, the influencers. They, these are guys who prey on those who are vulnerable. Because um, vulnerability is sacred. And you give it to someone and they play He says, hey, be careful there. Uh, men do this with women all the time. Right? Uh, you, you, you give your heart to somebody and, and they don't ever want to make a commitment. They kind of string you along. That's a guy doing this. He says, he says, if people get your trust, you need to make sure that it's in a safe place. It's manipulators. He said, don't hang around those guys. Proverbs 11. A gracious woman gets honor, and violent man gets riches. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. It's another abuser. Now, some read this. They see, you know, uh, a violent man gets riches. They say, well, sweet. That's, that's what I always wanted, right? That's what we, that's what we can read that and, and even actually think that. His point, though, is that those riches prove empty and worthless. That's his point. It's not a good thing there. Uh, the implication is, a, is that he's talking about the kind person basically being outside themselves, right? And so, like, caring for other people, he actually benefits himself, there's a cousin to this passage, uh, Luke 16, right? The wise steward, ushering other people into heaven. that's, that's, that's kind of the same concept. Although here, this is a kind guy who's loving when people care, and he's saying that guy actually is going to be blessed more. One who is wise, Proverbs 14, who is wise, uh, is cautious, and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Uh, a man of quick temper acts foolishly. A man of evil devices is hated. Proverbs sixteen twenty nine, a man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. See, these men are always looking for followers, always trying. Uh, see, that's what frustrates me. These cats won't just destroy their own lives; they got to bring other people. This all, this is all live foul. You know, that's what frustrates me. Got to have others. Be careful. Like a roaring lion, Proverbs 28, 15, like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked rule, ruler over a poor people, right? Again, a guy looking for prey, uh, weak people to intimidate. I see this. I've seen this over and over again. Have you been part of that? Are you one of those weak people that you've been intimidated? Are you doing that as a man? Are you, are you as a man being intimidated by someone who sees you as weak? I've seen this over and over again where you get, you get guys and they kind of just are just praying for people just to find someone who's weaker than them and just grab hold of them, initiate. Finally, Proverbs 29.10, bloodthirsty men hate who is blameless and seek the life of the upright. Um, so I've gone through a bunch. What are, what are words you see there? What are words that, we, that are used? Ruthless, hot-headed. Reckless, we see quick tempers, we see foolishness, we see crafty, we see violence, we see uh, men that rob, men are rebellious, wicked, they rule over people, bloodthirsty. All this is a bad use of power. All this is this people who God has created them to create, to cultivate, to do these things, and this is an absolute bad use of power when you go through Proverbs. But I want to propose, this is what a lot of men do with their masculinity, is we abuse it. And we don't take it sacred as a steward. Proverbs says, like, this way is yielding things in a decreative way. So I, I say this because I want our men in this body to be stronger than abusive men so that we can stand up for those who are weak. And that's one thing that I really struggle with is that when we get people who are abusive, I feel like we need to be better better at calling it what it is and standing up for truth in this body. Because it's going to happen over and over again. And we need to build the muscle to be willing to detect and to fight. Um, The next one, I'm going to talk about rejecting responsibility. That's just the person who abuses. So some of us are going, oh, that's not me. I'm not crazy. I'm not intense like that. Well, Proverbs also warns, warns us against a man who rejects responsibility. This is the guy, right? They're kind of just uh, saying, "Oh, I don't know if I really need to be like, doing these things. Uh, they reject, I'll, I'll say relational and pragmatic responsibility. Right? So how many of us are here? These guys are, uh, don't care much about conflict, um, uh, like, like the first guy, um, the abuser. Like the abuser wants victory, kind of. Right? Uh, where these guys are, are, want people to really like them. Um, relational, I think it's relational integrity, courage, uh, pr- provisionary rejections um, all happen with this guy, and mostly it's because of laziness. This person usually desires the easiest path, the path of least resistance in life. Whatever they're doing, just, want, just how, do, how, wait, how do I find the way where I don't have to work hard, where I can just kind of get around? Always looking for a shortcut, right, easy way. Um, now, the hard thing is that this, 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 this guy usually uh, doesn't cause trouble in church, and so they get a lot of props. They usually are exalted, right? Um, why they don't cause any trouble? Because they're not doing anything. Uh, they're not cultivating. They're not creating it's kind of sitting around, um, not building relationships, business, um, not building relationships, not you know, not caring for women. Look what Proverbs says: Proverbs three twenty-seven. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is it is due, when it is in your power to do it. You see that? Proverbs is saying: Look, dude, if you can do something good to help somebody out, do it. Clear as day. That's that's a mark of a man. Right? They man up. They culture. They create. They have opportunities uh, to stand. You have opportunities here to stand in relational gaps. Have you had those where someone's believing lies, someone's doing something stupid, and you just sit back as a guy and say, well, it's not my relationship. It's not me. Right? Why, why get, I'm not get involved in that. But you have the truth. But you sit back. You see that? It's an example of not being a man. Not thinking, how do I make sure Christ is exalted? Right, but you're thinking, how do I leave with everyone feeling good about me? We do that in perspective of work too, guys. Look at Proverbs 12:24. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. See, a lot of these cats are just lazy. Now, here's the funny thing. You know the reality, biblically, is you're supposed to work six days a week? You know that? Right? And we just lose our mind. We, we fight so hard to get those two days a week, right? As if they're all right. Whereas the Bible said, you actually are cheating the system. You're supposed to work six days. You're supposed to rest one. Right? Now, I tell you, some of the laziest people, though, are people in ministry. All right? We, we are, man, when I was I mean, we, are, we can just justify just not doing much and thinking that we're doing everything. Okay? So I'm the first guy to tell you that this is something that's very convicting. Like, what does it mean to be a man in this area? Because um, we're, we're all kind of famous for milking the system, right? I mean, some of you guys get three days off. You know, you work in your big shifts, and you, you compile it all. You know, you work 18 hours, like three days a week, so you can get four days off. You know, we just milk the system and uh, we don't get the reason why. The reason why you have a Sabbath is because every other day is supposed to be work. <laughs> and we're trying to work our plan because here's what we want. We think our whole life is a Sabbath and we don't know why we got to work. And so we're trying to figure out to make how do we make that happen? How do we make my whole life be a Sabbath? And when anyone tries to actually make me work, they're mean. They don't just understand me. See, that's, that's not a masculine guy. This is people when you give, give them structure. That, that's too much structure. What are you doing? You know, I wanna be free. I wanna be lazy. That's what I wanna be. Right? Proverbs 14, 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You meet these guys? meet the guys that just talk every year. And they're every. I'm going to do this. Next year, I'm going to do this. Next year, I'm going to do that. And next, next year, they ain't still done nothing. You meet those cats? Right? Me, 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 Just blah, blah, blah all the time. Talk, talk, talk. Not doing anything. I get tired of talkers, as you can tell. Um, Proverbs 23, 20 to 21. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous, gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. See, some of these guys, this, this is a bigger picture here. He's talking about gluttony. He's using some sin patterns. But his point is those men who, who get caught up in indulgence, right, where you're, you're so caught up in your own narcissism, you're so caught up in your, your we or whatever you do, you know, or your job or all this stuff, uh, women, you, you, just, you become absolutely useless for anyone else. You ever meet a really selfish guy like that? It's all about him. Right? The relationship is all about him, and that's why you can just throw girls to the side like roadkill. Because it's really all about you. I hope, our, I hope no one in here is this guy. care about somebody I always care about themselves, not other people. Proverbs 24: 30 34, "I passed by the field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, and the stone was wa- a stone wall was broken down. You see that? Then I saw it and con- I saw and considered it. Uh, I looked and received instructions, a little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber. So he's kind of thinking through this um, and want like an armed man. So he's picturing a person like, he's like this, to become a slugger, it, 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 it happens gradually. To become this guy happens gradually that you can kind of, you know, you, you, you missed the alarm one day, you missed the alarm the next day. He's saying this, eventually you end into this decreative state. Being a slugger is like decreation. He's saying you're like a slug. You're not a human anymore. Lazy people. It doesn't take much, is the point of that proverb. It doesn't take much. 29.3, he who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion, a prostitute squanders his wealth. Again, indulging, indulging in sin and wasting resources uh, is, is a key uh, framework for this guy. As we want to be masculine men, you find yourself, that's all you're doing. You find yourself at these different places where you know you shouldn't be Indulging, wasting time in sin. He's telling his son, don't be like those guys. That's not what you're supposed to be about. And he gives, I, I, won't, I won't stay here, he gives in 29, 21. He talks about how this happens. Basically, whoever pampers his servant from childhood uh, will in the end find himself his heir. Uh, his point there uh, being that basically you'll, you'll reap what you sow and it won't go well for you. Um his point being is that, man, this comes from even when, when we're raising our kids. You know, when you raise a spoiled kid, he, they end up not being men because they end up releasing the mandates that they're called to, protection, right? Protecting self, uh, righteousness, protecting God's glory, cultivating, creating, being responsible. So a cousin of this guy... Um, who abandons uh, is uh, the difference in avoider, because you have the abander and the avoider, um, is that uh, the avoider never wants to begin uh, the, the abandonment. So basically the avoider is just not even wanting to engage. They're just kind of avoiding responsibilities. This guy, the abandoned guy, the abandonment person, actually takes on stuff and just throws it out, right? Just This is a real flaky person, where they're like, oh, man, I can do this. Let me do this. And they take on three things, and then they can't do them. And two weeks later, you're like, what happened? you uh, know, it didn't meet my schedule. And they, they just make an excuse. This is that guy. They start off excited, and they realize, wow, this actually takes work. You meet that guy? They're all excited about something. You know, I, I've done startups, uh, different startups, and I see that all the time. People get all excited to hear an idea. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, it would be awesome. You know, then they're like, "Man, you actually wanted me like to work." Like, oh, I thought it was going to just the money was going to just build a big tree of money out in the back, you know, and you know, we was going to plant the tree. Like, well, you want you want me to do stuff? You read this? Saying, like, "Yeah, dude, it takes work." Um, these guys start well relationships, right? They start out. You meet, start really well in relationships. They, they're giving you the flowers, ladies. They're doing all this stuff, and all of a sudden, boom! Emotionally, they disconnect. You've experienced that. This guy has a commitment issue. They're flaky about girls, cars, theologies, churches. I see this all the time. People come here. Oh man, this is awesome. Oh, that was great. That was awesome. In two weeks. Where are you, man? Uh, I ain't like that sermon. What happened? Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Uh, that's the essence of a man who embeds his responsibilities. He's, he has a duplicative lifestyle. Right? Honey, I love you. Honey, I'm out of here. Right? I'll work hard, I'll be honest, and I'll quit. Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the days of adversity, your strength is small. It's that guy. You know, layman's words' like, you know, if things get hard and you a punk, you know what I'm saying? You shrink back. You're not really the man you thought you were. See, some of us as men are, we are awesome until it's hard. And when it gets hard, that's when you start seeing where cats really are. This happens all the time. Now, I know that's, uh, again, I'm not trying to be down on us. I'm just trying to tell you, this is is what the dad is trying to help the son see. Don't be like these guys. And ladies, don't fall for these guys. Because here's the thing about my my, my sisters that I, I get scared about. You see cats like this, and you know what you think? You think, potential. That's what you think. I can fix that a little prayer, a little Bible study. You see, you know, and I want to propose God can do anything. But you need to know God is sovereign, and you don't know what he wants to do. You don't go walking into these situations, or if you're in these situations, knowing it's the case and stand in it. Because you don't deserve that. You don't deserve these guys. You deserve a guy who wants to create, who wants to cultivate you. To cultivate your children you want these guys to be your husband and the father of your kids you want to leave i won't let these guys babysit my kids don't settle ladies that's why he's telling us about men so you would know okay so i know that guy he doesn't he always has an excuse why he doesn't have a job he's not the guy for me That guy, wow, he has an excuse for why. He doesn't want to emotionally connect. He he doesn't want to draw me out. He He doesn't want to ask me questions. He's not the guy for me. He's not valuing me. That's not the guy for me. The guy for me is going to cultivate me. He's going to do what he needs to do so that roses just pop up. If he's not doing that work, he's not the guy for you. Say um, you hear this, and uh, we have a couple more verses. I'm just going to uh, skip over. Let's do the last one here. Like a bird that strays from his nest is a man who strays from his home. That's the one that's interesting because these are people who slowly check out, right? Again, they, you start to see that degradation, slowly checking out. And you meet guys like that. You be careful. And brothers, right now, if you're hearing this, uh, understanding one thing. God made you. Here's my point. God made us to create, to cultivate, and to rule, right? That's why he made us, to do those things. If we are not building, then we're, we're abandoning. We're abusing, right, or we're avoiding. And I want to propose, uh, propose to you that if you're, if you're one of these guys now where we all have some tendencies like this, I, I want to suggest that you understand the beauty of all this is that we have the gospel, okay? This is not about, wow, those are the things I do, so now I need to quit doing them. That's not, that's not the goal here. See, what's supposed to happen is we hear these things that Jesus is showing us, and they humble us because we go, wow, that's me in a natural. Wow, I need Jesus, right? I can't be strong for girls I need Christ to be strong in me for this girl. I don't want to work, right? I need Jesus to help me desire to enjoy creating, to help me desire to be responsible, right? It's not about here's the moral standard now needed. It's about "Here's here's who we're called to be Here's who we can be, who is here? here's who we get to be, and now what Christ does is he makes us new to actually enjoy him in that new progress. This is us now. That's, that's the beauty of the gospel. So I want to propose to you right now, if you are an unbeliever or if you're sitting here and you're going, man, yeah, I, I, I suck in a lot of those areas. I'm just a jerk in so many different ways or I struggle in this area. I want to tell you, be of good cheer if you want to depend on the gospel, now, if you leave here and you say, yeah, okay, I just got to fix some things, or he's lying, and you're living in la-la land, and you want to deal with your reality, or ladies, you got that buster, you got that straight punk that you keep going home to, who disrespects you, doesn't honor you, doesn't walk in love and passionately pursue Christ, and you keep justifying it on a proposal, that you're probably an enabler, right? And you're, never, you're settling, because God is making it clear in 66 books on what it looks like for you to be celebrated. But the goal of all this is to get the gospel, to understand because of the gospel, because, okay, so Christ, I'm evil. Christ gave his life for me, takes my sin. He take, gives his righteousness, makes me his child. And then he says, hey, you're my child. You're not Satan's child anymore. You don't have to settle for scraps like you were when you were Satan's child. Do you get that? You don't have to be like you were when you were Satan's child, when you were a puppet on a stream and Satan was calling the shots. Now you're a child of the prince. The goal is for you to see Jesus, um, Jesus being, that's what I love about the gospel. It's like in all the things I lack, I get to see Jesus be that for me. Right? If I'm a punk, I don't like Violence, I'm kind of like, I don't want conflict. Jesus is my warrior, right? I look to Christ, and then he makes me a warrior. He gives me that strength. I've seen guys in this body who don't have the natural dispositions to be out here fighting or doing something crazy and stand up for women in our body. How does that happen? I, I propose, because spiritually, guys who feel the spirit, to say, Lord, I'm, I don't know what to do here. This is not my cup of tea, but I know I'm your man, and this is wrong, and I'm going to stand in the gap here. And I don't even know what the script looks like. I don't know what's about to happen right now, but I know I need to do this. See, that's courage. That's people who are living outside themselves and they're trusting that God is in them. That's the church we want to be. We want to be masculine men who create, who are passionate about cultivating, who are passionate about subduing, taking control in a gospel manner and all pointing to Christ. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for that. Would you give us that wisdom? Would you give us that insight? Would you allow us to do that in light of the gospel, not in our own strength? Would you allow us to do that in light of the grace you've given us? Lord, allow us to live lives where we don't take cues from the world. Lord, we we ask you, Lord Jesus, teach me what does it mean to be your man. As the dad talks to the son in Proverbs, allow us to heed your words, Jesus. And we pray for our women, Lord, right now. We pray, would you protect them? Would you protect their hearts? Would you guide them as they desire to serve you and love you, be in relationships and trusting their hearts to men? Give them wisdom on the men they choose. Give them wisdom on the men that come alongside them. Give them the strength to not settle. But to trust you for your best.